After all this, you still... I still want that gas, yes. And you had better deliver. Hey, folks. It's been a minute since our last episode. Uh, got me and Josh here for a bit of a current affairs recap. And we're going to talk about the midterms. How you been, Josh? I've been pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I've been... Uh... A hot commodity when it comes to these midterms. I actually had an interview with a Georgetown graduate student in journalism about the Michigan gubernatorial race. So I've been more attached to these midterm elections than maybe I would like to be at times. I got to get you on the staff payroll. God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, I I don't know the thing. The thing about all these episodes we've done on like uh, election coverage or just new stuff is just just how little I actually seem to know until I read the article live on air. And I'm wondering <laughs> if that's just endemic to me or if that's everyone listening to. I mean, there's always like you can't know everything, and there's always like these these hidden little like secrets for every story. Oh yeah. And 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 what's gotten me too is like with with like uh with just the nature of like who does midterm coverage and like what gets focused on you know, you've always got your classics. You've got Pennsylvania, it was Virginia was the big one last year. Um Florida is going to be a funny one we're going to talk about today. Oh god, yeah. Um bunch of crazy stuff here in michigan too we'll we'll definitely get into some of that um before we do though while we were off air holy shit did i miss this stuff going on across the pond yeah i mean through how many prime ministers now too yeah i mean so like we was that our i don't think it was our last current events episode but it might have been i think it was the one before that uh, with Boris Johnson, yeah, stepping down, we talked about kind of the hilarity of his scandals. Uh, his successor, Liz Truss, lasted a grand total of six weeks. Um, just just enough to collect retirement money. So good on her. Yeah, I guess. And you know, I I, th- I thought it was interesting. Like I was seeing like some of her polling, and like she had like a nine percent approval rating among conservatives. It's like, damn. Like I think Biden's got a better approval rating among conservatives than that. Right, and I just, I, I don't know if it's like because I'm not well read on this or if it's like some of this uh, internal par- party stuff in a parliamentary system is like off limits to the public, right? What what exactly got her the job, you know? Because I know it's like party leadership selects, but like, yeah, how, how I mean, do you end up selecting someone no one likes? How does that, how does that come around? I mean, it's like, it's sort of like a vote within the party, but like, it's such a small portion of it. So like that, it's, it's a weird system. I don't know the ins and outs of it myself. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just wild that like, you know, it's like during her uh, prime ministry, I mean, like, sure. Like, I'm not going to say like, you know, that was a banger in six weeks, right? The queen dies, uh, the pound crashes more and, you know, their party is just in shambles. So, you know, like. As I've seen a lot of people joke about, you know, a lot of would-be revolutionaries dream of accomplishing that. She right, accomplished it in right. six weeks. Um, but it's like, on like some level, it's like, I mean, can you really 
blame her for any of that like and and part of me is like you know this is this is me being a a classic disrespectful american to uh hallowed uh british royal institutions exactly how much of this can also just be attributed to like queen death derangement syndrome you know sure yeah because like i i know like i was talking about this with my partner a while back and i think she read an article i forget where but it was like everyone's bracing for the recession that happens when queen elizabeth dies oh my god so at some level like er people knew this was gonna happen but i mean i don't know to to, to what end as well because just 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 with like how much of uh, like business reporting is just investors freaking out what what would prompt an investor to freak out about the queen's death other than pure sentimentality. And it's weird, too, because you'd think, like, there'd be, like, I don't know, like, if they're grieving, like, you know, maybe let's, that is a good time to invest in alcohol or something. You know what I mean? Well, like, something. It's, 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 like, it's weird. Like, you wouldn't expect this to, like, have gross economic repercussions. And, and I think most of the economic repercussions have nothing to do with the Queen's death. I think it's just the global economy and its current status. Is it is it just that like they have to reprint the money and that's what's going to cause oh the problem? <laughs> I mean, I mean I, was, I, wasn't there the whole shit with Modi like a couple years ago where he just decided out of the blue, oh, we're just going to change the currency system. Fuck it. I don't care about the repercussions. Let's just do it. Fuck it. I don't I, I think I kind of remember that, but I mean, I don't how much could that really I mean, like that's got to be like a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things, right? Like. There's no way like that's going to like set the economy back like having to reprint your currency. Especially if it's just a topical change, right? Like I'm n- I know they're not going to do the thing Modi did with the timetable where it's like it's it's one week to change everything and if you get fucked you get fucked. I'm right, pretty yeah. sure it's just any old bill you get to the bank quietly shredded and put a new one in circulation. I'm sure it can't be that hard. Yeah, one would think. I don't know. I don't I don't know economics. Um I don't know. I don't know. Treasury and monetary stuff always has been the most confusing thing to me, right? It's just like what what about this other than like pure um convention is gumming up the works, you know? Yeah, and and like so much of it too is it's like you know, it's so much of it's like kind of like fake money, anyways. Like once you get to a certain point, like it's not real. Like it's just. I mean, if you if you consider stuff like, especially with like how much of transactions from personal accounts are done over cards or through e payments. Yeah. Right. Like, does the currency even like have much like? real function anymore too i mean that's kind of another conversation to have all together and right maybe they'll it, just embrace that like charles will be the first digital monarch right right i mean i don't know I mean, he literally knows he can't be bothered to move paperweights off of his desk <laughs> you know jesus i did in not getting an episode out we didn't even get to mention just like all the weird shit about prince charles ascending to the throne right (laughs) and like i i just remember like 
immediately as soon as he's like set to take the stage there's this coverage on bbc of him like he's ready to position himself as the people's king a man of the people as it were and then immediately not even 12 hours later there's that like video of him just like impudently hissing at like a manservant to like get a paperweight off of it and it's like what what oh, yeah. what it's it, like could you look more out of like you know not the, the man of the people what what rare bone disease does he have that a paperweight's going to take him out what's what's going on here well then there was like all the stuff too and like some of it's just like I don't want to get too much into like, you know, how people look and whatnot, because I feel like it's a, a lot of it's just kind of like it's hard to tell what's real and what isn't. But, you know, you've got like, oh, you know, he's he's got gout. Look at those hands. And and you see like the same stuff with like Putin. Oh, he had Mitch like, McConnell answer. It's that thing about Mitch McConnell's fingers and like. Oh, to be like, fair, those were pretty shocking. I mean, <laughs> he had some Andouille sausage over there. What the fuck was going on? Yeah, I was like McConnell had like black hands for a bit like that was <laughs> it's the kind of thing right it's just like the whole yeah. lizard people stuff like necro wizards running the government you think like oh that's kind of gratuitous then you see that picture and you're like i don't know how to feel <laughs> i really don't know how to feel but yeah liz Truss, uh i think i think the most egregious part of her tenure aside from the low um approval rating and that really funny moment of like her meeting uh, King the King, and him just being like, "Oh dear!" As soon as as soon as she walks in, <laughs> um, there was something really weird she was saying about like fuel prices or like natural gas usage, where she was just like, "Just put a blanket on. Who cares?" I don't recall that. Something. Let me let me let me look this up. This is uh oh by the way to the listener, I have done zero prep. You're lucky I even pulled up a couple articles for this one. <laughs> I was a little disappointed. Uh, I was for one of the articles that we're going to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, New York Times. Uh, I don't know what the article count they actually let you look at. They let you look at period. one. They let you look at okay. Because it's like I always like I'm like man. It used to be like I used to be able to like look at this you know all day and then like you know we were done. But it's like now it's like what the fuck's going on. Okay, let's see if this is the one. This is from The Guardian. Liz Truss wants to inflict more austerity on Britain. I mean, I that's, that's not popular, but I mean, so is like, I mean, like, what's the difference between that and what any other conservative prime minister is going to do? I mean, yeah, I mean, forget the conservative ones. I mean, any, <laughs> any, any UK prime minister post Thatcher has been in that austerity model, right? And I think I don't know. I don't know. Like, I know that her statement was not well received, but how is this any different from like anything Rishi Rishi Sunak is going to say? You know what I mean? Maybe yeah, what might. I think, like, too, it's, like, when you have, like, the certain... Mi- I mean, it's it's basically, like, the Jimmy Carter thing, right? It's, you know, yeah. someone's, you know, in power in, like, kind of a bad economic period. And, you know, like, I'm not saying that that's, like, you know, it sort of excuses their actions. But, like, when you're using, you know, this free market laissez-faire attitude and you're trying to, you know, as Carter did as well, you know, try to govern, you know, with austerity and whatnot because, you know, got to keep inflation down. Um it, that doesn't really help anyone. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reality of the Volker shock is that, you know, how, how do you, um, sell neoliberalism as anything positive other than like the Reagan vision of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, fuck it. Just, just, just get what you want. Just turn it into a consumer gangland. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, after Liz Truss has left, uh, nothing has fundamentally changed except shocker. Um, your boy, yeah, my, yes, one of one of one of uh, one of my chosen people, uh, <laughs> Indians, um, Rishi Sunak, um, who, if people aren't familiar, and I was just reading this earlier, I'm not too too key, uh, familiar with all the details. Apparently, he was one of the conservative members of parliament who resigned during the whole scandal with Boris Johnson. God and might have been like the ringleader of that whole parliamentary maneuver. Oh my god. So this was like a very I, I don't I don't know if like this was like a long con or if this was just like him waiting patiently in the wings or not that patiently. I mean <laughs> I mean, hey, six weeks is six weeks, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, I guess I guess again another one of these internal secretive whatever party decision apparatuses happens. Uh he gets in and he's definitely one of the more uh I don't know. I'm I'm always suspicious of any like right-wing politician who's like openly a member of a conservative party, right? But it's kind of getting me like how normal he seems. I mean, he's uh, apparently enthusiastic about the history of Coca-Cola. I don't know if that's... Who isn't? Who isn't? (laughs) Fair enough. But yeah, no, that's his official alumni. um... Okay, honestly, this episode is just going to be like pulling up our DM and just like looking at all the memes we've sent each other in the past (laughs) two weeks. Yeah, that, that one, you don't have to dig too far, at least. That was about, you know, a couple hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. So this is um, his alumni profile for, I think, Stanford when he was. uh, He was an MBA student at Stanford in 2006. Yeah. Under skills and interests, he has listed Star Wars sports. Unclear if he means the franchise or the missile defense program. That's yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He should have specified. Uh, Sports. Sports, especially Southampton football. I, what? What? Who? Who is a Southampton FC fan? I don't. I don't get this. <laughs> and then the history of Coca Cola. The history of Coca Cola. Is he talking about like the CIA funding death squads to uh, shut down, um, you know, striking sugar workers? Or uh... to be fair, that was one of the uh, in the uh, comment thread of that post. You do see someone post. <laughs> yeah, the Cola Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. If not, I collect that... Coca Cola things. I'm a Coke addict. Total Coke addict. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that, that, that's such a weird thing. That's even weirder than like Joe Biden and ice cream, Loki. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the Joe Biden of ice cream, it's just always like, you know, it's just a quick and easy thing, right? He's he's there with the ice cream. He's he's licking it. He just he wants you out of the way. He's like, I'm, I'm here for ice cream. I'm not here to, for your stupid questions. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, this. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know for for an Indian prime minister to be the uh, first pagan prime minister the United Kingdom has had in what a thousand sure. years. Yeah, something like that. So on Diwali of old days too. That's that's you know, representation like, is one of those things I'm really cynical about. But I got to take every W I can, right? <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got. I mean, like Indian he's he's is, gonna disappoint me in a, in a week. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I mean, well, you know, let's see if he'll probably have to resign when uh, Northern uh, or you know Northern Ireland secedes. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's all a small price to pay. It, it it's also like a bit of small fries. You know what I mean? Because wasn't um didn't Ireland also get like their prime minister to be a brown guy, Leo Varadkar? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, not. Yeah, you're you're more learned on the history of the uh, prime ministers than I am. Uh, yeah, no, they they have a half Indian. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name of that office. I just know that that's a yeah prime minister, and. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I don't know. I, I guess all of the uh, Brexit people worried about brown people invading the country might have had a point. Hey, isn't that kind of funny though? That like leading the party, that's gonna have to, and like he's gonna be the supervisor of Brexit, even though like the people that voted for Brexit primarily did so out of like racial fear and other nonsense. <laughs> I, I like the thing. The thing about it, and I. This is something I'm saying as like a passive observer of, of of this and also just as someone on the outside, right? It's like it seemed to have been fueled by similar, if not the same, culture war forces that we keep talking about here, right? Yeah. Um except like and I I mean again, like this is me as an American not keeping up with any of this, not barely following up with the coverage of this stuff when it was hot, right? Does anyone even, like, want it now? They've had, like, what, 10, like, referendums on it now at this point? Does anyone really care if it happens or not? I have even had that many. I don't don't know. I I feel like it's probably no longer, like... I'm exaggerating by 10. I don't know how many. Yeah, I mean, that's my intuition. It's probably not seen as that important anymore. I mean, I could be wrong, but, like... Yeah, I mean, they, they they can probably try to weasel their way out of doing it <laughs> if they really want to. Yeah, it's I don't know. I don't know, because like this is this is, this is probably a point we're going to revisit when we get to our U.S. coverage. Right. But it, it probably should be stressed that, like. What is the conservative project at this day and age, other than just either cruelty or uh, some kind of desperate filibustering for no reason other than its own, right? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you said, that's definitely going to be kind of the overarching topic for like a lot of these. And I mean, it's it's wild to me too because, and this is kind of like a generalized point that I've noticed of a lot of these races is, um, and you know, especially like even for the ballot initiatives, it feels like they're running away from their own values in a lot of ways. Yeah, if not running away, like diluting it down to like one arena or like coasting off of like trump's momentum and here in the united states yeah and like the only thing and like i mean and to be honest like i actually have no idea really what the um like polling looks like as far as like you know acceptance of like transgender people right like i mean like i i have no idea like you know i I don't think it's they're probably as widely supported as like you know you know same-sex marriage and stuff like that but that seems to be like the one social issue that they've really just like put that put their hand that is you know, it. on the line of the sand. It's like it's that's the one issue, and it's like it has to be the only one they feel is like remotely popular. But and I don't know if that's actually rooted in in like anything. It's the one thing that's made hay all year. If you like, if anyone's been paying attention to like domestic politics coverage and like between like some of the Supreme Court stuff, between different like uh, state legislatures and stuff, and I, I guess just the malaise that we're living in, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about this at length, that, like, you know, both parties fundamentally have nothing they really want to change about the structure of the state to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, its role in regulating business, you know, maybe maybe there's some topical differences, but broadly, you know, we've had one-party neoliberalism from, from our governments now. Um when it comes to regulating uh, the role of violence, you know, domestically or abroad, you know, we are, if we're not exporting weapons to other countries, you know, we're definitely uh, getting new guns and vehicles and equipment for police across the country, right? So in, in, such, a, in such a system, in such an environment, what can you do other than... turn any other thing like like even with the pandemic you know not not to shift gears too far right mm-hmm. the pandemic was like an actual like public health um arena right and there was a lot of like confusion and a lot of like i'm not i'm not giving anti-vaxxers or um you know anti-lockdown people some ammo here right what i am saying though is like there is like a kind of contradiction at the heart of like w- the level of state intervention happening all of a sudden, right? Yeah, and, this- I, and I think there there's that, and I think too there's a lot of people like you know Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan who've like kind of said that like you know with hindsight and like the information they've had in hindsight, they wouldn't have gone that far. Yeah, and it's, it's, I don't know, because, like, this, the narrative on COVID has always been changing, and I think it's one of those, the reason why people either hate to talk about it or have, like, certain annoying quirks when they talk about COVID or just, like, why, like, 
it's something people seem to avoid anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Not that like I'm the COVID understander. I, I again, if uh, if we lived in a just and moral society, I wouldn't be doing this show. You know, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's like polit- political expediency was at the heart of everything in the early stages of things. The lockdowns were unpopular from the jump. Um, the the confusion around like what to do and like how to treat things, vaccine access and availability was always under question. Uh, you know the question of essential workers. Like there's there's a bunch of like dependencies that come out of this public health crisis. And there was and a it, lot of political questions that emerged that I think had never really been like entertained or at least had not been entertained in the United States in a really long time. You know, the yeah. concept of like essential workers and stuff like that, like all these things were sort of like they're really not revolutionary concepts. But at that, like, you know, they, they seemed that way just because of how like divorced they are from like the mainstream um you know, you know, political conversation. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the whole thing here, right? Is that a moment of crisis can expose the the fundamental flaws in a system, but like like we're talking about, it exposes like e- economic disparities. It exposes uh, dysfunctions or you know lacks of a lack of contingencies in certain. Uh, public administrative uh, functions or what have you. You can't address that in our system. So it gets it gets turned into like either you're a chud who is who doth protest too much or you are a lib uh, sissy cuck who <laughs> is going to get injected with uh, microchips. And there was no fucking in between. And that's like what everything fucking turns into, right? To the point of even like I don't know, like the the whole the whole thing about how trans people have become the new target of of the right. It's it, 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 it's entirely confusing, right? Because like like we said earlier, you know, the average person doesn't even know what they're talking about oftentimes with the with this trans discourse um it's this kind of issue that was well, kind it's of the type of thing that like they can really warp uh certain ideas and imagery into something that's like really fucked up and like that's like something where they where they're like oh like they believe in like mutilating kids and it's right. like you know even you know with the procedures that they're talking about I'm pretty sure those are not legal to perform at like a certain age. Right. And I mean, that's the kind of thing too, right? It's like, there's so much disinformation that's gone around on the subject because of how politically charged has become, right? Like Mm -hmm. concepts that are standard practice, you know, like informed consent for care, the level of like restrictions on like hormone replacement therapy, stuff like that. The amount of counseling that goes into this uh and and just like i don't know the varying like stories and known issues of like family trauma 
um, regarding acceptance or like conversely, you know, the resources that you provide a family who is accepting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're not even at like um, a common thread of like, you know, the issues that face what I honestly believe is just a, yet another group of people. Congratulations. There's a different set of information. Grow up. I'm sorry. That's life. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see anything crazy about that. But it's once again been turned into this new. Um, I, I, again, I, I don't like. I don't like this term that's coming out of my mouth because I don't have a better one. But it's a new plaything for the right. Basically, it's a new set of people for them to victimize and bully, and the varying strands of the democratic coalition have to choose how strongly they're going to toe the line, what angle they're going to do it under. Um, are you going to be a Hillary Clinton and say it's a boutique issue? Uh, are you going to be like one of the few principal people who can say that like, it's a matter of human rights or are you just going to do the thing where it's like, you can dismiss your opponent as transphobic when asked or when pushed on it, but fundamentally, you know, you're comfortable with relegating, you know, uh, queer politics to the blue states and kind of, you know, leaving these kind of harder button issues, you know, for another day, right? Sure. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the thing too, and I and I think, you know, it's like when you talk to like some, you know, people who are you know, they happen to be Republicans in the electorate about this, and it's like it's one of those things too where I think that like <laughs> Democrats sort of struggle with you know where do they come down on it because like you know sometimes they get and and I think to some extent they I think they're just kind of cowardly on every issue, right? They're just you know they're afraid of being called a socialist. They're afraid of being called you know you know too friendly to the queers or whatever like it's you know they're they're afraid of all this stuff and it's like it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what position you take that will always be how you're painted at because like i know i've talked to people where they're just like oh you know the democrats they want to like reassign all our genders and whatnot and there's like absolutely insane things but it's like this is just the level of like insanity and disformation that you're dealing with and like it's a unfortunate thing that i i think you know it really hasn't been you know, strong efforts to really diffuse, uh, and, you know, we're, we're seeing it blow up, uh, you know, in our faces again with the way, you know, January 6th is being, you know, sort of relitigated over and over again on the right, especially where, you know, it's either it's not really a problem or it's fake news or whatever. Um, there was nothing wrong. It was peaceful protest and like all of this, you know, gaslighting, you know, play the title card um <laughs> and it's just it's it's like all this stuff and it's like i think that that's like something that they've they've struggled to reckon with you know pretty much from bill clinton on right you know he's like oh let's you know reinvent ourselves as republican light and you know what's the right gonna they, they, they can't possibly call us tax and spend liberals then right what are they gonna do lie which is i guess you know the greatest win of the evangelicals you know yeah. By turning it into culture war, you've you've effectively diffused any challenge to the status quo in a way. Yeah, I mean, like the more we like, you know, continue to like fight over like these issues that you know, like you know, it's like how much political capital do you 
and I mean, and, and it's like it's it's it sucks having to like talk about it in that way because it's like you know these are like real people and like they have real interests and whatnot. But it's like you know if you're like well between that or like universal health care that would also benefit those people. What do you exert? I mean, not that they're exerting capital on that, but you know like what do you exert like your political capital on? And it's you know you have to keep doing these fights over issues that are that should be non-issues. Right. Right. It's, 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 again, like, you know, it, 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 I think we talked about, you know, COVID as a public health crisis, you know, moment being turned into a culture war issue. Mm-hmm. You have trans rights being an issue of human rights, you know, also being diffused into the culture war. And even I think, like, I don't, I, I'm, I'm really running the risk of, like, saying the same shit in every episode, but. Every episode, someone's first. You, you know, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna come out. I mean, I'm I'm coming out. Cue 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 the sound. Anyways, <laughs> if 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 my analysis remains the same, I think it's because nothing is is changing to a certain extent, and it's kind of like we are fundamentally circumscribed by the system we're stuck in. Right? Mm-hmm. This is the arena. This is the state of play. And if I keep coming back to this, it's because like. American political discourse, the different arenas and uh, discursive spaces that host it, the various players that operate within it, um, so on and so forth, you know, they, they, are, they are processing it through the culture war filter to the point that even like questions of like what is the efficacy of voting it gets turned into a all or nothing thing the way the culture war will spit something out the question of you know talking about the supreme court's rule in it it's like well either you know you support it or you don't and at, i don't know at, at some level it's like you could even tie this to like past discussions we've had about american civic religion and how like maybe we could start talking about like how any questioning of it turns into like a moment of apostasy. Right. I well, hope and I mean, I think that's like, you know, a good tie into a lot of like these midterm things. Cause I think, um, that's becoming increasingly the battleground is the idea of the civic really, uh, religion and really redefining it in really grotesque ways. I think, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the big points uh, I noticed with DeSantis's debate, uh, I believe Dixon made similar points um, in hers as well. But, you know, the idea that like, oh, like they're trying to like teach you to be un-American in schools. Like they teach you that like we were made from like that. You know, this country was built from stolen land. It's like well, newsflash. Um, and, and I was like talking to my brother about this earlier today, too. And it's like. I mean, I know I'm like, you know, almost 10 years removed from the public education system, right? You know, I graduated high school in 2013. And it's like, I find it hard to believe things have radically changed in 10 years. But I would hardly describe my education as woke by any definition. I would even struggle to define current education as woke. I mean, like... You know, you know, for for crying out loud, right? Like this all keeps resurging at certain phases because the culture war is cyclical in a way, right? 
Yeah. And I think you rem- I, you might remember like the AP US history curriculum wanting to be changed in certain states because like the curriculum mentions very plainly, not even not even criticizing it, right? Like things like sharecropping, uh imperialism in the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, y- y- you know like y- y- I'm sure like an enterprising young conservative freak could probably find a way to like spin that into something like they could feel proud of if they wanted to. God forbid they do. I don't think anyone should. But it, it's just the kind of thing where it's like any I, I don't I don't want to do that hokey thing where it's like now look who's triggered, now look who's sensitive, look who's the snowflake. I don't want to do that. But it's there is there is something to be said about like how there is this mythology that people hold on to dearly that is fundamentally a lie, right? And I think like there is just something mature about you know just do, doing just, just learning a little bit about that and being like, okay, you know, feels bad to cast this off, but I can let it go. Maybe be better tomorrow. I don't I don't know what's wrong with that, and I don't know where that comes from other than like. Again, not not to sound too woke here, but you know the the cruelty at the heart of the American Empire in a way. Mm-hmm. And, it, yeah. and again, like, with, with these elections, like it's un-American. What are what are we defining as American here? Like, what is consensus reality at this point when it's this strongly divided? Yeah, there, I don't think there is like much of a consensus reality, and it's like insane where it's like. The, the things that they're, like, having issues with, like, it's like, oh, you know, like, you can't talk about slavery and whatnot. It's like, what? Like, <laughs> like, what, like, what version of history can we teach? Like, oh, hey, here's the revolution. Uh, we, we went to war over taxes. You don't need to know any, anything else about that. Um, but, you know, taxes, that's, that's the reason um, that we're going to, like, run with in our civic culture. And, um then you know we uh, fought some bad guys in some world wars. Um, you know the Nazis. Well, actually, I mean, where are they bad guys? I don't know. Um, it's, and it's just like it's it's like weird to like the point where it's like, well, like what is what's even on the table? Nothing, nothing other than the perpetuation of the culture war at this point. Because I, I mean, I mean, I don't know if like if if we're at the point where like you have to get you have to listen to some guy's dumb podcast to 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 hear about things like uh, the political economy of the Planter South or uh, imperialist. Uh, I mean, let's be fair. That right? stuff that stuff is like pretty much almost never discussed. Right, like in, right. In, in advanced placement courses is like the only thing where you'll like even entertain like, oh yeah, like you know there was like, you know the the colonialism and stuff like that. You don't you don't talk about that stuff in like the, a normal like high school education, and definitely not before. Right, right, and and even then, it's like how how often has a teacher dwelled on the subject, especially like, I'll just say in a public school setting. Like, yeah, I was very lucky. I had a. APUS history teacher who like talked about it for a day. Yeah. But it's a public school setting. He had to rush through that shit. We didn't even get to make it to the well, 80s, and Yeah, you know and I mean? like, like some of it's like it's not like necessarily to like, you know, 
bury these teachers and say that like oh they're really bad at their job like i mean i like i i liked mine as well i mean it's just, i mean there's so much to go through the nature of the curriculum like i get yeah, it yeah but you know like it's just the idea that it's like oh like they're teaching and like teaching our quote-unquote kids these like awful anti-american ideas it's like you're not touching any of this stuff till like at the earliest like sophomore year of high school like, yeah. do you really consider that person a kid? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because I think, like, this is, this is another recurring theme. I, we, we still have to jump to the election coverage, but maybe, maybe it's good we're taking this diversion here, right? Is this idea of, like, parents don't have enough control, right? That's kind of a leftover of the original uh, satanic panic and like, yeah, um, you know, the advent of all that stuff, right? Where it's like, you know, what what are these teacher te- teachers teaching our kids, you know, kind of uh, near hysteric panic, in my opinion, right? And well, it's weird, like how much it's reverted back to that. Like, I mean, like, because we that was like one thing where I think as a culture, we kind of looked back on it with like, Maybe not some level of shame, but it's just like, but like some level of like hilarity, right? Like these people are like a parody, you know, these like, it's hard to imagine them being real. And yet like we're relitigating this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like even last year with the fucking, what was it? The Youngkin election in Virginia, right? Like, yeah. How how profitable was the discussion on CRT? Mm Mm-hmm. God forbid that like CRT, like once you lo- like read into it, it, it it's it barely pops into um, college level courses, let alone a high school setting. God, yeah. Um, it, it, I don't know. Like, like we've talked about this on the show before, right? Where it's like this just seems like a very like suburban voter focus kind of thing. But also, like, it's, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's what happens when, you know, the electoral discourse focuses on, you know, quote-unquote swing voters. It's yeah. just code for suburban voter. Because they're the ones who, you know, aren't, like, that politics isn't necessarily as important for them on average. Because, you know, like, you know, win or lo- if you're upper middle class, you know, win or lose, you know, your preferred party, your life's not fundamentally changing. That's true. Yeah, I mean, what what fundamental like care do you have other than like trying to keep um, your kids out of downward mobility? You know. Yeah, and I, I think that even like, and that's why it looks at upper middle class because it's like I think they're not even as concerned about that. Like, I mean, lower yeah. middle class, you know, sure, like you know, there's the idea that you might, you know, you're a little bit insecure about job prospects and things like that, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just uh, overall, I don't know, like, it, it, it's fascinating to me that, like, this same cohort of Americans can, you know, log into Netflix and watch the newest season of um, Stranger Things, where literally they have a satanic panic um, story arc, right? And then not, you know, consider for a moment the irony. Yeah, well, especially because like, it's like, you know, like, that's, you know, fun for the whole family, right? Get, like, yeah. You're you're watching through your kid. And you're not thinking like, hmm, you know, am I the bad guy? No, it's the kids who are wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally, like I mean, it's... 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Just it's like the pan- I don't know what project the right has. We've kind of talked at length about how you know, Democrats are kind of either fumbling the bag or they might have some kind of strong but limited pitch at certain times. Or they're just And I mean, like they also just have like the issue of like I think a overly large umbrella, which I mean, maybe that's part of the issue with yeah. the right as well, but like I don't feel that way, right? It's like all your like, you know, like it's because it, they're just too afraid to like openly put out their ideas because they know they're unpopular. I mean, even like abortion, which you know, like in you know that that can be how we you know, how we can tie back into like the uh, the Michigan yeah. midterm race because that's probably one of the big issues. You know, it's on the ballot. We have uh, proposal three, I believe. Um, is the abortion one. And yeah. like, I was shocked. Like, so like, um, the main, the, probably the most played ad this election has been like, the, you've probably seen it is like the Tudor Dixon one where it's, you know, just a direct quote from her, from that podcast about how like, you know, a 14 year old incest victim is like, yeah, the yeah. person to like be forced to carry a child. to turn And that weird chuckle she did while saying it too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's, it, and it's really weird. So like, and they just, they've put like, they've gotten a lot of mileage out of that. They just keep playing it. And you know what? Like, can Republicans in far redder states were destroyed for saying similar things in prior election cycles? Yeah, um, like worse election cycles for Democrats too. So, like, I would imagine that this race isn't super close. But even then, you have her like really making this concerted effort to say, "Well, the governor doesn't really have anything to do with abortion." Well, you know, I'll respect whatever people vote on for Proposal Three, but you can still vote for that and get rid of Whitmer. And it's so weird to see, like, it's like, I thought this was, like, a human rights issue. I thought yeah. that was always the argument. I thought we were really concerned about what's happening to the, the unborn. But now it doesn't sound like that. Now it sounds like... Own the libs well, kind of shit, pretty much. Yeah, it's, yeah, now it's like, it's this political football to own the libs, but we don't really care that much. And, and I, I've been asked about that in the interview, too. He's like, well, she said that, you know... Governors uh, don't really have anything to do with that. I'm like, that's it's in, it's disingenuous at the very least to say that. I mean, that's like saying that the president's not involved with like any number of policy things, right? Like, they obviously influence the legislature. Um, she obviously could choose to pass a law, um, you know, if she promotes the legislature to, you know, oh hey, let's ban abortion uh, statewide. I mean, they she would sign it. She would play an active role in lobbying it. To say that she doesn't play a role at all is kind of delusional. And especially considering we've seen how Whitmer's played with this as well, where she, you know, put in like those court orders to freeze, you know, the uh, the law that would have been enforced otherwise. Right, right. And it's also like to to say that the governor has no role. I mean, let's let's just let's just talk. Right. Is like. um, This is this is a bit of a sidebar, but. In Florida, right there was a there was a ballot initiative to legalize um, voting, restoring voting rights to felons. DeSantis was the first person to put a to put a block in it to the point that basically the the entire program gets voted for, and then he basically renders this uh, ballot initiative toothless. So I, I don't believe for a minute that any Republican governor would you know look at a ballot initiative they find unsavory and you know, play the principled card and be like, well, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, 
if if anyone has been paying attention to the past four years, what 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 are we? You know, the guy said he was an unnecessary limitation. I mean, you could look back even further than that. It's... I mean, you could look at the founding of the country if you want to get woke, right? But <laughs> that's I digress. You know, it's. It, It's it's another weird naive thing, right? Where it's like, especially in like polite um, spaces about politics, you can't call someone a liar. You can't call someone disingenuous. Yeah, and it's and it's it's always like, and even like you know, I always said for like the longest time, it's worse to like call someone a racist than to for them to be racist. It's like the same exact thing. Like you can't like actually call people out because that's like divisive and mean. It's it's like it's like so what? Let me be wrong if that's the case, right? What what does me saying this have to you know? What's so wrong about me saying it other than oh you're trying to hide something here? So yeah, and, and let, let, let's get to the prop three specifically now. Like let's let's really get on track with that, right? Mm-hmm. This is a pretty milk toast um, provision. By that you mean confusing and extreme, right? First of all, that's the stupidest thing. Like, okay, like I don't, I don't get much cable um, in my area, so like I haven't seen a lot of the TV area, like TV ads. What I did see are like the fucking, um, you know, uh, yard signs and like different, yeah, like, uh, uh, yeah. If not the yard signs, like the big ones in rural areas too. Um, like I was traveling up north for a bit and I saw some of those. The biggest one they're going with now is like Prop Three is too extreme and too confusing. Like, are you guys saying you can't read? Yes. Is that the okay? There we go. Because like, because <laughs> I because I think they're starting to realize that like the the uh, life what is it like uh, protect life argument can only get you so far these days, right? That like they're just trying to like say like oh this infringes. I think the other disingenuous one was this infringes on family rights. Yeah, which ones? I haven't which seen ones? That one. Like, I haven't seen that one as as commonly. But yeah, you're right. It's like this whole like right to life. That argument is like gone to bed. And like I've like even like some of like the uh, party agents that I'm you know still I would hesitate to call friends, but Facebook still I'm like for sure. yeah, 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 like Facebook friends. Like they're they're even like just kind of like well, it's confusing. It's extreme or whatever. And like even it's like regardless of what you feel about abortion, it's extreme. It's like. What if I believe in like post, you know, five year, you know, out of the womb abortion? Then it's like hardly extreme, right? Like, what if that is my position? You can't say regardless of my position, it's extreme. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's it's the usual bullshit they all get into. But I mean, let's just let's read this extreme text, okay? So this is from Bridge Michigan's uh, article explaining what the proposal would do. I'm just gonna pick, cherry pick what uh, from a paragraph here. Proposal three. Uh, sponsored by Reproductive Freedom for All, would amend the Michigan Constitution to guarantee that every individual in the state has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom. That would include the right to make decisions about abortion, but also prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, miscarriage management, and fertility care. Again, pretty common around the world at this point. I don't see what's controversial here. Uh, still allow elected officials to prohibit or otherwise regulate abortion after a fetus reaches viability. However, the state could not prohibit any abortions that a medical professional deems necessary to protect the life or physical or mental health of the pregnant individual. So, again, like, mental health, what I thought was interesting. 
Right. So it's I, I guess this is the whole thing here, right? Is that if this is what they're citing as the confusing part, um, it still doesn't add up to me because this is still like a sop to the right. This is basically their concession here, which is like, fine, you guys want to make an input here. We'll let you make an input here. They yeah. didn't even have to add this to the to the ballot initiative, and they did, which mm-hmm. I personally feel like kneecaps the initiative. But you know, any any sensible uh, you know right winger would be like, okay, fine, we can we can put in our our shoe here. But you know, well, and no, that's nobody, nobody like wants this, to work this, anymore. <laughs> well, this issue has like it's it's no longer like a compromise issue, right? It's like you either you know like. They, it's all they, or nothing, yeah. Yeah, they've they've pretty much admitted that now, right? It's like, you know, like no, no exceptions. It's it's all or nothing. Yep. Okay. Let's we've got two more points here. So only allow the state to restrict abortion rights if the restrictions are justified by a compelling state interest achieved by the least restrictive means. Well, that, uh, really, that's actually the most confusing thing. But 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 even then that's like <laughs> uh, the I'm direction. sorry, like that's a legislature full of lawyers. They all know what that means. Yeah. They all know, like, okay, try not to invade too much personal privacy here. Got it. And I'm sure, like, they could basically get away with violating it if they wanted to. Like, I. I well, that's the, well, I mean, that's the line that lets them kind of get away with it. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, that's the only part that I think is confusing. And it's explicitly, like, but this is confusing to like citizens. Bone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. like, that's throwing a bone to, like, the right. Yeah. So two bones have been thrown to the right already. And then the last one here. Prohibit the state from penalizing or prosecuting an individual based on actual, potential, perceived, or alleged pregnancy outcomes, uh, including abortion, miscarriages, and stillbirths. So I, I mean, if it's confusing because it's written in legalese, sure. But we got news I, for you about all ballot petitions, <laughs> right? I, I mean, again, just like this is this is like. Three out of the four points I've mentioned are basically like concessions to the right. And the the protections that it does enumerate, if passed, um, are like common sense, uncontroversial in, in most of the Pretty world. Pretty much the ones that were under Roe v. Wade. Right, right. And, the, and again, like this is another point that I keep getting at, right, is that the Supreme Court cannot be relied on anymore as like, you know, you can't just have like a a decision be your legal backdoor to 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 continue something you got to get it enumerated as as a practice and i feel like that's that's been the big thing for like lgbt protections abortion rights um and i'm i am worried about like how the they plan on gaming this out in the courts but all that aside what it's it's a bullshit argument that this is confusing or extreme. Yeah, it's 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 the lowest hanging fruit you can possibly like throw at something. Yeah, and it's just like it's like it's a massive concession that you know that your argument, if you don't know that it's wrong, you know that at least no one buys it or cares anymore. Yeah. Anyone who was convinced with like the the fetus on the dime pictures at this point, like that's everyone is already there. Everyone else has either tuned it out or has, is like trying not to look at it or has gone pro-choice. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's frustrating to look at this shit. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and then the fact that like that's Tudor Dixon's only fucking like um thing she's really like you know sticking to right like she can talk about like uh supporting business that just means the usual tax break shit we all know what that means at this point I, I I'm well, trying and to think. she's and I, it's weird too because I felt like she could have maybe had a better shot if she just kept trying to relitigate. Whitmer's COVID policies, which is what really Garrett isn't. Soldano was doing. That's what I thought. That's why I thought Soldano was going to win the primary because he was relitigating COVID and, be, and he was trying to do the whole like uh, government overreach thing, which I thought at least meant something in Republican circles. Turns out you don't need to do it anymore. Yeah, I, I thought it was really weird that like because I was like, well, like this was your one shot at winning. You know, again, it's like something that you know voters probably forgot. Or whatever, but like it was just weird to me because I was like, "Well, this is the way she can do it." And like during the debate, um, which I know they've got the second one tonight, uh, but their first one, it was just a weird thing to watch. And like talking about, and like some of it, like the moderator asked like a dumb question, which was like, "You know, Governor Whitmer, in hindsight, would you do things differently?" And she's like, "Yeah," um, but again, like you know, she defended her choices because it was a novel virus, you know, the whole shebang. But then asked, like, Dixon, like, it, with just the information we had at the time, would you have done things differently? It's like, <laughs> like, how can you honestly answer that? I'm kind of glad I didn't get press passes to this one. I, I would probably <laughs> just, I'd, I'd be making a ruckus in the back. Oh, I mean, it's probably, yeah. I mean, and the first one was a lot less fun than a lot of these other ones I've been watching, like... There's the Walker debate. That, that oh my god, that. What was... he pulled out the police badge. Oh my yeah. god. Or then the the Wisconsin one. That was that was also funny too. Yeah, the Ron Johnson one, where like he like so, and I I, I would talk about this with my students actually, and I was like, this is a very similar thing. Like this is something that like candidates always get asked, where it's like you know say one thing positive about your opponent. Or they don't always, but they usually do. And I was like. This is something that happened in the 2016, the second debate between um, Trump, Trump and Hillary, yeah. where like they refused to shake hands and whatnot. And then they're like, well, say one thing positive about each other. And it was like just the low hanging fruit, their family. Well, you really care for your family. I think that's admirable. And so, of course, the Democrat does the same thing for the Republican. Then Ron Johnson comes back with, well, I think he was raised well, but I just don't understand why he would betray this country. <laughs> Right, and then immediately <laughs> and, booed. And immediately them. booed. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like wow, like, and because it, it was like oh, it was family, and then he's talking about his parents. It's like, well, that's kind of a weird like angle to specifically emphasize. He's like, yeah, I think they raised him well, except now he betrayed this country. Like, why would you do such a thing? It's like, what the hell? Which, which also just seems like a backhanded compliment. Like when an older white guy like tells a like a black man younger than him, like, oh, he was raised well. I'm like, what are you saying here? <laughs> well, I mean, might- it's. You know, this we, I didn't plan on and talking about this too much, but like some of the language that these uh GOP candidates are whipping out, like uh, there was the Rubio canvasser that was attacked, um, which seems to be for no political reason. Um, but the guy, for what it's worth, is like a known like neo Nazi. Um, but he's like he was attacked by four animals. I'm like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> like, for like four actual like like non humans or like what happened? Like, well, it was that he was attacked in a Latino neighborhood and there were no what? animals involved in the attack. Oh, 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 fuck me. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. That's why I was like, I'm like attacked by four animals. Like, what? 
What are we? What are you saying? Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you get attacked by gators? What happened here? Like, what is going? Yeah, I was like, holy shit! Like, we're just like calling like <laughs> people animals. Like, what the? Well, fuck? It, it's just a leftover of like the 2020 BLM um, protests, right? Where it's just like anyone who threatens a right winger with violence is like deranged in some way. But also, you know, they can, no you know, they've got a green flag to threaten violence on anyone. <sighs> What was the fucking um Tom was it Tom Cotton who said that shit about um give them no quarter? I think so. That sounds like Tom Cotton. Demons, ghouls, all of them. God. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Um of of all the Senate races, I have to say by far Herschel Walker and Dr. Oz have been the most entertaining for the Republican pack. Oh, for yeah. varying reasons. Um, Oz is is especially surprising to me, right? That like um, he, this man has had so much TV training, literally had a syndicated show, and like cannot film something organically for the life of him. It's well, it's so weird, and like. It just hit me when you were talking about it that I was like, yeah, his his TV show was primarily for like upper, you know, like 30s and up, like stay at home moms. Right. That was who watched the show. That was when it was, you know, on. That was basically who it was scheduled to. Right. It basically just took over like the Oprah Winfrey um, time well, slot. It's under her her network. Yeah. Is it under her network? Yeah, it's through o OWN. Let me just let me look it up. But I'm pretty sure. Yeah, okay, because it was on ABC first. But I wasn't well, yeah, sure. not her TV channel, but like her production company. I mean, okay, it, maybe it was, but it's like so he he has that like you'd think he would have like that demographic in the bag, right? Like these suburbanite moms, but then his campaign has decided they want to pursue like a a younger yep, demographic created by Oprah Winfrey. I'm surprised. I am surprised. Yeah. Interesting. I, I'm surprised she didn't like. Well, maybe I shouldn't be. I was like, I was surprised she didn't like condemn him more thoroughly, other than just like, yeah, I'm not going to endorse him, which is like, yeah, it's a little scathing. But like, do you really want to be like, you're the guy, you're, you're, you're the one who brought him into like the scene. Like, you really want to like, like, don't you think you should like distance yourself from that in some way? Like, express some regret, like, or anything? Like, do you care? But yeah, so like he. Um, has been, like, trying to, like, cater to this, like, I guess a younger demographic with, like, just the worst meme ads that he could possibly come up with. Yeah, the finance bro ad that you sent me, that's so fucking weird. Oh, I my God. And it, yeah, the finance bro one. So that was his ad against Dave McCormick, who was his primary opponent. And, like, it's all about how he's, like, this China bro, this finance bro guy, and he's from out of Pennsylvania, which is, like, so is he. So <laughs> Like, right, right. <laughs> you know why are we drawing attention to this? Um, but even like, there's like the one ad he has for Fetterman where he's like, "Look at his eye, look at his brain," and it's like this like old school like what you'd see on like a PowerPoint graphic where it's just like his head opens up and like weed comes out and stuff like that. It's just like, who are you trying to appeal to? Oh God. Oh, oh no! I just and then that's not even forget like 
that disastrous video of him like walking through the grocery store. Oh right? yeah, where he's like, "Oh man, this costs how much?" <laughs> but um, first of all, just just like it's like a crudite board he's trying to build, but then he gets salsa with it. So like, I'm already like, who in Pennsylvania is eating a crudite board? Let's start there. Let's start th- who <laughs> who then then like um. He got the name of the store wrong, and it's basically the Pennsylvania equivalent of something like a Myers. So, like, immediately, like, people are, like, singling him out as, like, of course you don't live in Pennsylvania. Like, why Why would I yeah. even? Do? And then just, like, how out of touch it looked, right? That's, like, this rich guy at a, at a grocery store going for shit that people, do, like, you know, already don't go for and stuff. Uh, to try to make, like, a ham-fisted point about inflation. What he does even do is, like, weird. Like, he does it... I think he picks a leaf off of something when he shouldn't have. He should have just picked up the whole thing. Very unhinged, very weird behavior from him, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so wild. And, like, I mean, the, the the Fetterman, like, campaign, I mean, it's just, like, it's going at, like, and, you know, I talked about this in my class where I was contrasting the campaigns. I was, like, you know, people are like, well, he's going after, like, Oz more from, like, the stylistic standpoint, right? He's, like, talking about how he's, like, a bad person or he's, like, out of touch. It's like, well, to be fair, that's more, like, he's only running, he's only running on, like, vague ideas. He's not running on substance, so you have to attack that lack of substance with, you know, a similar lack of substance. Because, like, or, and, and, like, it's just, it's so weird where it's just, like, the can't, like, the Fetterman campaign is basically just, like, outsourced its own ads to just like here's oz doing stuff because he's yeah like, so he's out like of a reverse meme candidate basically like you i i don't i don't know like fetterman's record is is kind of weird to me but like he has enough cred to at least like brand himself as like a democrat to old kinds of democrats kind of guy like he could bill himself as a progressive to certain camps he can bill himself as an established guy to other camp establishment guy to other camps. He can kind of bill himself as like a blue collar guy to different blue collar stuff. You know what I mean? Like maybe the maybe the campaign is doing that. I'm not I'm not following this race closely at all, right? But it you, you are right that it's like it's what what is he offering other than like a I look like a WWE reject. Vote for me. Well, I mean, he he does have some other like ideas and whatnot, but it's like like so I I would say like on his end of the campaign, um, he has like campaigned on like more of the uh, you know definitely I would say probably to the left of like the modal Democrat usually yeah yeah and um, yeah I, I think like you know it's not necessarily like you know but as far as like the attacks right it's like he's not like so much attacking oz on like well oz has these really bad ideas it's just that like he's rich and out of touch and by extension you can assume he probably has bad ideas which i think speaks probably like i think it's probably better than like a lot of these more technocratic approaches that democrats seem to favor I mean, it is like the Trump technique writ large, right? Which is like, you know, if you make your opponent look more corny than you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of it. Like, and, and that's not to say that Trump isn't corny. I, I find him to be like among the corniest people ever, ever to have walked the planet, right? But it's like, the fact that 
he can look like the alpha in the room next to Jeb Bush, which keep in mind, this is a room of just like a nightmare blunt rotation, you know, <laughs> like you do not want to spend time with any of the guys on the on that debate stage. No, the fact that Trump is like able to market himself as like charismatic, approachable, cool, not bothered by anyone's bullshit. Bizarre, very bizarre. You know what I mean? And it's like, and then it's like you look at like the crop of like people that have risen to sort of take his mantle. And it's like, maybe it's not so bizarre after all. Right. And I mean, maybe Fetterman's touching on a thread there because, you know, he's pointing out very correctly that like, yeah, this guy, Dr. Oz is corny. And speaking of, uh, Guys who want to, you know, brand themselves as Trump adjacent, but cannot get that same kind of juice. Uh, yeah, so Ron DeSantis. So last night, I think it was last night, he had the debate against uh, um, fucking uh, what, Rick Scott, not Rick Scott, um, Charlie, Charlie Christ. Christ, who, you know, also kind of, you know, like top far- 10 most lukewarm Democrats. Yeah, I mean, former Republican, former Republican governor of Florida. <laughs> like, it's, you know, like, yeah, you know, not really a bleeding heart liberal. So he's, you know, he's debating DeSantis. And the, the part that's gone viral is when he asks DeSantis, like, he, he says, like, you've talked a lot about Joe Biden. And, you know, I understand why you're confused. You think you're running for a different job. And, you know, just tell us now, like, are you, if, if you're elected, would you stay in governor for, you know, be the, the here for the next four years, and he just like freezes. Like you can hear the he, he, he made that like that face, up. the face that you get when you're caught. You know what I mean? It's like how did you like? You had nothing to say about that. But just lie. Who cares? You you just got the audience going like huh? Like just just gasping and ooing like you know yeah. like oh you got wrecked by Charlie Crist really. And then he like tried to make a comeback where he's like, well, the only tired old donkey that I'm thinking about beating right now is you. And then he's and then like that also got countered where he's just like, yeah, like, you know, like bullying, basically. It's like at least, you know, I you know, do it to me and not like the kids that you did on that uh when he was like yelling at those kids for wearing the masks. Right, right. At that conference. So it's like again, it was like it was like he tried to reverse it, then it just got reversed back to him. But it's just like, can you imagine this guy? On a Republican debate stage. Oh my! I mean, I, I mean, again, it's just like, and what's up with Florida politicians in general? Right? I mean, like Rubio is like the same way, where it's just robotic. Like no chads. I there are no chads. On, I have to stay on script no matter what. Like, yeah, and it was just that robotic water drinking he did when he did like the, oh, yeah. the State of the Union response. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about about Florida Republicans, right? Because they've they've run this horrifying anti democratic. I'm not saying in the anti democratic party way. I mean like yeah, like like they have, they have literally subverted democracy. I mean like you know if if any other country did the shit that they did in 2001, they'd be you know the, the we would boots on the ground. CIA murking people like that would have happened immediately. So I just I just don't understand. Like these guys are ruthless and cutthroat. I mentioned too that like DeSantis literally like cut down a measure to like restore uh, voting rights for felons. You know all that all that shit. And you know when it when it comes down to it, like there's just those pictures of like DeSantis awkwardly standing on stage, like he has just worn a suit for the first time. 
<laughs> the just just Rubio with his weird, ill-fitting cowboy boots and his like transparent hairline, or like I mean, if you if we want to talk about like DeSantis getting wrecked in a debate, I mean, shit, talk, let's talk about the first time he ran for governor and like even though Andrew Gillum lost. Let's. I mean, let's talk about that. Like, uh, what was that? Like a hit dog will holler moment that that was like that went viral that year. I don't remember. You'll have to refresh me. Well, so basically, like, uh, Gillum was was for, for anyone who doesn't remember, Andrew Gillum uh, was a black candidate running against um, Ron DeSantis in the same race. I think it was um, what was it? Rick Scott's term had expired, so it was like yeah. a fresh race. So. Uh, Gillum basically had a gotcha like scripted and ready to go, and it, it was ex- executed pretty much flawlessly. Um, where he basically exposed, like, oh, yeah, uh, Ron DeSantis has been caught basically using the n word gratuitously to describe not just Obama but other black politicians, and uh, um. You know, you have this moment of DeSantis like stuttering and like trying to like weasel his way out of it. And then Gillum responds with, you know, uh, my grandmother told me a hit dog will holler and he hollered across this room, which is, I'm sorry, like if you have like those kind of like Southern pithy kind of stuff going on in a political debate, gold star moment, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, uh, I, I, again, like th- this guy got his ass handed to him then and he still found found a way to win it. Right. Um, Let's let's even talk about I mean just Jeb Bush in general, right? Like charismaless. Poised to be the next like Scott, like Scion in 2016. Just yeah. blown out the water. Yeah, like it's just in like and like every there's a reason like that you still see like the Jeb meme. It's because it was just so like he was poised to, you know, probably win the whole thing, right? And he it just was like the most underperforming candidate. No one's attending his town halls. Please clap. Being like literally castrated by Donald Trump on the debate stage. Just nothing. And and I'm I'm just like I, I'm I'm imagining how horrifyingly lame that election would be between oh, let's say yeah. if we got let's say we did get like the Democratic Party in 2016 playing out exactly the way it did. But Hillary Clinton is running against Jeb Bush. Can you imagine how boring that shit would be? Yeah, I mean, not that, that not been... that election should be fun because, like, I want to have a laugh, but just like how nothing of substance would ever occur at that point. Well, and then, like, you know, what would, like, what would be even like, like, what would they be really be debating on? Right, right? like, as what would be the contrast between them? I don't know. I mean, you would probably not have um, Bill Clinton's legacy being uh, brought up. You wouldn't have um, the Pacific Partnership Plan be a mainstay in the debates. You definitely wouldn't have had. Well, and you, and you, they would have. They would have both been for it. I mean, yeah, Hillary had like yeah. Hillary had defected from it, which was like it's like you fucking you know <laughs> you negotiated the plan like right, right, like like literally like 
I yeah, like the the discussion on trade and globalism, you know, it would it would have never come up in that Trump fashion the way that it did. Um you definitely wouldn't have had um man. I could not imagine the culture war stage that that possible future would have been in. Like imagine, imagine like the kind of tension that's latent in our moment. Yeah. But with like 2016, uh, Obama is still president sensibilities. Yeah, I mean, it would like, be you an could improvement, cut the ten- but <laughs> would it, would, well, that's the thing. It's like, would it be an improvement, or would it just be like you would have? I mean, all- I feel like you're. I feel like realistically, I think you're probably just postponing it. Yeah, that's why. That's why I'm thinking. Is like you would probably have had Charlottesville and January sixth happen on the same day, rather than as split events broken up by like a couple years. Yeah, sure. Not that my predictions matter and not that like I want to be right about any of this. None of these events should have happened, frankly, but I I I really don't know like like what's really what stands to change from this election. Like I don't want the Republicans to win, of course. Who does? Um, well, I think it's it's unfortunate that like and like I kind of buy the argument, right? That like you know it's like if they win, like do you then just get like January sixth, but for real, and yeah, or they do like the legal, the quote unquote legal version of it, and you know, I and I think that's like the thing that's frustrating, right? And like and in Michigan too, it's like it's one of those races where it's like, well, we don't have any real impact on like the composition of congress right because there's no senate races um the house races there's a few toss-up districts um i think the only one that's being watched is like uh what is it slotkin's district uh i don't know why that so the, the there's four being watched the james district i have no clue why um it, it's a it's an open seat but like it's like it's john james you know who you know, Ran for Senate twice and versus, uh, I can't remember, Belinka or something on the Democratic side, but he's got like some corruption charges and stuff like that. Who, um, James? No, the other guy. Oh, Jesus. I don't, I, I can't remember what his were exactly, but like he's, the, the race is pretty under supported and it's like, it's, it's probably going to go to James. The Slotkin race is seen as a toss up, but like I haven't seen a, a ton of strong evidence that it is because the district is, a little less gerrymandered than before. Yeah. Uh, the Kill D district is a little bit more conservative than it was before. Uh, so yeah. that one's being watched. And then um, what's the fourth one? Um, oh, the, the, the West Coast, the third district. So that's um, uh, Hillary Shulton, I think is how you pronounce her name, versus uh, John Gibbs, who kind of came under fire because in college he had written the report about how this country got worse since women got suffrage. So, you know, God. fun stuff. 
<laughs> what a stupid thing. What a stupid thing to do. And then oh like his God. campaign's like, well, he was trying to create like thought-provoking conversation. It's like, what kind of thought-provoking conversation is there to be had there? Like but is it congratulations, John C. Calhoun is like is is following <laughs> you on fucking um Substack now. Yeah. <laughs> you, following you on parlor. Yep, yep. Oh my god. Um even even the suburban district stuff is weird. Like the the whole thing about the Michigan redistricting stuff, right, is like I I wonder to like what extent reform within the system um can happen without like, you know, an active level of a you know, citizen participation in the reform uh efforts. And if not participation, like definitely like oversight and then like a strong communication of that dissatisfaction. Because like I was definitely one of those good liberals who thought that if you get redistricting on the ballot and get it passed and, you know, it happens, it will be the big fix uh, that will get you, you know. A, a a democratic uh one hundred percent fucking uh state delegation and you know as as it turns out one that was never going to be the case but then but then two like I think there's this weird idea even like among like the reform electorate. I that is a weird term for me to use. I will try mm-hmm. to clarify that, but like this idea that like you just get the ballot in and then like it will it will play itself out and you know the fix is in. You don't have to worry about it. But like if you look at the way that a lot of these districts were like redone, it's it, it's almost like nonsensical, right? That like well, I think I mean I'm not necessarily sure 100 where you're going, but like if you're like referring to like things being maybe a little bit more competitive and whatnot, I think that, and I think that's what some people expected, and I think that was probably unrealistic. Like there's just yeah. more homogenous uh, districts. I mean, I, whether or not I, th- I think the state levels where it's a little bit more of an interesting and open question, and that's not really my forte per se, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where like I. I kind of wonder if we're going to see, you know, any meaningful changes there too. And I think at the national level, it's really, it's like more states have to pursue this route, right? I mean, it's like, you know, it it wasn't going to be a cure, but at least it's, it at least makes you feel better about the process. And I think that the problem though, that we've kind of been running into that's that like, you know, it's kind of been the, the overarching theme of a lot of these episodes, right? Is that, you know, what good is the process if like the outcomes are like garbage, right? Like, you know, like, do I feel good if like, would I feel better about the Trump presidency if he won with the popular vote? No. Um, <laughs> you know what I feel like? Yeah. It, it, what I, what I feel like, you know, it had like, we not gotten January 6th because like, you know, the process let him like sneak into like office our term. I wouldn't feel good about that either. Like, you know, it's like, the, it's like all these things where it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think that's like the weakness of like, you know, liberals in general, right? It's just the trust and process over everything else. 
Yeah, yeah, and I just, I, I don't know, like the the especially the way that like the current Democratic delegation is kind of fucked over with these new districts, right? With like Rashida Tlaib, for example, like mostly being a um, her old district being mostly the city of Detroit, now having to compete with the suburbs. I I I forget what it was. Like I went to some kind of forum or something like where they talked about the rationale for um, why they made the new districts the way they were. And basically, like, I think, I think my, my angle with it, now that I remember what my angle is, surprise, Adi being disorganized on his own show, who would have thought? Um, is that, like, all the proposals that ended up being presented to the public were the ones the Republicans designed anyways? The Democrats basically, like, fumbled the bag on getting any of their proposals through. Ah. And, you know, how do you get these, like, weird considerations of, like, the suburban communities that get counted as part of a district versus the urban ones? And then especially in Detroit's case, you know, with, like, the unique histories of, like, redlining, white flight... Uh, the randomness of suburbanization and all that shit. Yeah, like, and some of the, like, and it, again, it's sort of like when we simplify the redistricting conversation with like, oh, like, look at this district. Doesn't it look gerrymandered because it's this weird, bizarre shape? Um, But like, you know, the Democrats were trying to push for like, you know, stuff that looked a little bit more like that because it would create something that's a little bit more representational as far as like, you if you had, you know, 60% of the vote for Democrats, then like, they should win roughly 60% of the races. Yeah. It's whereas uh, we don't quite have that. No. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just, I don't know. It, I mean, it's certainly better than what we would have had otherwise, but it, it's definitely like, well, it's what I wanted. So like, I can't, I can't exactly complain here. Like it is good that like redistricting is subject to some kind of oversight now, but I think I think I will never be happy unless I see like perfectly square districts in my <laughs> lifetime. It's got it's got to be a perfect square, uh, as much as the ge- geographic you know boundary will allow. Uh, you got to fight for all, for for whatever you can get in that district, and uh, it's got to respect county lines. Like I think I really love the Iowa congressional maps just out of the blue because they cannot like. Um, cross county lines to create a district line so you have Mm. to have the whole county in it so you have these like uh very regular yeah yeah, it's like you have to basically win the whole county to or uh or lose the whole county you can't just like cut part of it out because you know it would be disadvantageous to you does that actually help with the fairness aspect i have not done the research but i just I, i i don't know I, I do, see. I, it's a three to one split. Three Republicans to one Democrat in Iowa. What are they? What was their overall vote percentage? Um, and eh, not really fair. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at this, um, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I, I it it is that kind of thing, right? Where it's like 
there's just so much at play with like how do you talk about the lack of fairness in certain elections, right? And it's like I would definitely say that like certain processes, definitely gerrymandering's a big one, but like you gotta get into media, you gotta get into money in politics, you gotta talk civic religion, you definitely gotta talk about the limits of electoralism too. It's yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's no silver bullets with any other shit. No, there there sadly is not. So we are how long how long have let me let me check check when Craig started. Six twenty-two. Okay, so we are kind of at the top of our of our session. Are you shocked that um, Sri Tanadar made it back? You know, this was one of those things I kind of just completely forgot about him. And like, even when even when he announced his candidacy, and I and I heard he had run unimposed in the primary, I I it just was in the back of my mind. Maybe it's because it wasn't like a competitive district, so I wasn't thinking about it. But you know, I mean. <sighs> Like you, you, it's one of those things where you have to wonder, like, is there, you know, if, if there's a higher power, is he truly just, or is he truly even in control of things? Like, how does Sri Fanadar of all people get a uncompetitive seat that he's going to like just walk right into? <laughs> and oh my god, that that initial governor's primary where I think it was Whitmer. Um, Abdul Sayed and um, Sri Tandar, I think, were the yep. big three. I don't remember anyone else in the race, if I'm being honest. I don't. If there was, they were like really low tier. That was, yeah. it was, it was big three. Yeah, I think they might have dropped out, or just no one else was in there. Like, if I recall correctly, like Whitmer was the establishment pick. Yeah. Uh, El Sayed is the uh, token, prog- not the token progressive. Like he was like the. I was going to say, there's nothing token about progressive. No, not yeah, not not, <laughs> to, not token. And even then, like he was kind of fighting an uphill battle there, like you know, being like Middle Eastern and like openly yeah. like, Muslim and stuff, and also having like um a big like reform platform, especially on a public health level. Like I I, I like the guy a lot. I. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, but he was met with a lot of hostility. Like I was, I was pretty involved with like uh, Democratic campaigns at the time, and I recall someone saying, "I can't name names," but just immediately out of the bat, like a, a Democrat just saying, "Sorry, Muslim name, he's not going to win." Out, of, just I'm just like, well, yeah, what the yeah, fuck? I... You guys pride yourself on not being racist and how bad Trump is, and you're just going to say that in your close circles? What the what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Yeah, on um, some level, it's like I, I kind of understand, like, the, I understand, like, from a like, quote unquote, objective analysis that you might think, like, oh yeah, he's got a, he's got an uphill battle or whatever. But like, it was a lot of the stuff was just to it. It felt like he was really heavily dismissed. Like, even if it's like, even if you don't think you're gonna win the race, like, don't you think it would like there's some value in having this? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and then and that's that's the funny thing because then like, the real competition was always between Whitmer and, and El Sayed, but then like, Tanadar just comes in out of fucking nowhere as like, this kind of like self financed Trump style candidate. I guess if you even, want, I mean Trump style would be generous. 
like he but like in the sense that he was like self-funded i guess you know there's that comparison but like he flooded the airways with his ads some of the cringiest campaign ads you might ever find in your life you know ads of people mispronouncing his name and i i I, god i can't remember all of them but like i I don't want to either i don't i don't want to either but like he did like he basically did the uh, Tom Steyer and Mike Bloomberg pitch that they did for president, basically, where it's just like the guy's self, you know, it's his own money. He's not taking anyone else's money, so you can trust him. Actually, what he did was worse than that. He advertised himself as like the true progressive candidate and didn't even oh. really acknowledge so much that he was self-funded. Well, and that's the thing is like, like people were digging up shit on him left and right. And it's like, oh, yeah. What also shocked me about that campaign, too, is, like, how many people in, like, my own life who, like, would bill themselves as liberals or progressive, like, falling for, like, his shtick immediately. And the thing about AstroTurf, right, is, like, it's surprising how many people fall for it. Like, it's it's literally, like, Democratic Party AstroTurf, and, like... people either were like misled fooled or like dumb enough not to check and then if you've ever like seen him in public the guy has no stage presence i don't get what the fuck is going on i know and and, 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 like that's the thing is like people fall for that line a lot where it's like but it's his own money he's clearly doing something right and it's like i don't know what decay what lack of creativity, what lack of critical insight or uh, ability to dissect something, you know? Mm-hmm. When did that disappear from, like, the American political mind? This Just this desperation to find someone you can trust, you know what I mean? That, like, of all options available, you won't even say, ah, fuck it, I don't like any of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's, and you know, like, it, it reminds me we had that, you know, recent, you know, I guess it's not total defection, but departure from the Democratic Party of one uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Uh, Let's get into that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, and it's kind of like the same deal with her, right? Where it was like, I think, I mean, I don't think she, I, I think she was always even a longer shot than, like, a Sharif Thanadar, right? And I'm looking at the results from that election in that primary. It was 52 Whitmer, 30 Abdul, 17 for Shri. Um, So, like, he didn't do super well. Um, But, like, the Tulsi thing, it's like, you know, like, and I'll admit, too, like, there was a point where I thought that she was, you know, like, I didn't necessarily agree with her on everything, but I at least thought that, you know, she was, like, genuinely this sort of, like, you know, kind of like, let's sort of dismantle the imperial state a bit, and that, like, you know, like, any, like, weird consequences you get, like, being, you know, friendlier with someone like, you know, um... The Syrian dictator, um, crap, I Assad, had his, Assad. Yeah, Assad, uh, was like, it's it's kind of just acknowledging that, like, yeah, if we're going to, like, stop intervention wars, you kind of have to accept that you have to live in a world that has Assad, because you're not going to kill him. Um, his own people probably aren't going to kill him, so, like, you kind of have to accept that, you know, reality, but then, like, and there was always the signs that she was, like, you know, not totally genuine, right? But and, well, like, the Hindu stuff, nationalism ex- was the biggest yes. red flag, yeah. But like, that's like one of those things where it's like it's buried enough that maybe you wouldn't notice. But like, when you do, 
maybe that should raise a red flag that hmm, maybe this isn't the person that I should be supporting. Yeah, I think I think it's just that thing, right? Where it's like someone who's like uh heterodox in one specific way if they're able to like weasel their way through it or if they're able to like hide everything else, right? Cuz like I, another thing I was remembering about Tulsi Gabbard was like her very shifty record on like LGBT issues. Yeah. Like it took until like 2016 i want to say for her to basically like admit like okay yeah i was wrong sorry yeah i think so and like i understand some level of like wanting to like sort of forgive people or think that they can evolve right like i like i i you know the idea of like you know true purity tests like i think you know most people if you really look if you really thought about you know your past political use they probably all weren't great but they evolved as you became more informed but yeah, like that was like the one that she really got like flagged for. And then like, you know, the Hindu nationalism thing, which like it, it, again, it sort of just flies under the domestic radar because you know, why why else, you know, would you the average American care about, you know, Hindu nationalists in India. But then like, you know, it's like, well, if you discover this and you're confronted with this information, maybe it's time to evolve your views as well. Right, right. I I, I don't know. I had I had an item in my fucking outline about like these various grifters and I think you know what maybe we should develop this into a concept for another episode because I think there is a lot to be talked about with like some of these weird like if not like ex politicians like journalists who like yeah take weird right wing turns or like well, guys who can become has-beens and then just shift to like weird fringe positions and it's like you have like some of it's tied to like you know like we can save some of it for the episode, but like one of the things I wanted to like, kind of mention on that is that like I feel like people are just like well if they're critical of the thing that I'm critical of, they must be on the same side as me, and I think that that's like a really like that particular take divorces yourself from any meaningful nuance. Yeah, that, like and like like the thing, and I think I sent this to you too, where it was it was from an academic, but they were like arguing that like. Putin was like a credit to like the progressive agenda because he's anti-Western imperialism. You you didn't you didn't accidentally get sent like one of those uh, patriotic socialist things, did you? Those magnificent no. idiots. Such it's it, it's idiocy, and like part of me wonders like, damn, the FBI is really working overtime with some of this stuff. But right, I like I mean, it's or it's not working at all. <laughs> and, <laughs> But yeah, it's just like, and it's just like some stuff like that where it's like, and again, it's sort of like, I think, you know, for something like in the Putin case, like it's, it's kind of, I think people get really self-absorbed into the, the American Western lens where they're like, oh, we're like, it's like, no, there's, there's problems in other parts of the world that we aren't necessarily responsible for. Um, there's plenty that we are, but like, it's like, it, we're not like the sole source of evil in this in this world. Well, well, you 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 and you nailed it, right? You you nailed it, which is like everyone feels like you have to have like a particular person you can adopt as your champion. You need to have a particular take that yeah. answers everything. You need to like you have to have a answer and you have to have the answer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the culture war, whether it's this like 
uh, lionization or demonization of like various like things. Like, I mean, I'm I'm just gonna say like with the Ukraine stuff, right? Like, you're really asking me to pick between Putin and Zelensky. I like neither of these guys. Why do I have to pick? Why do I have to pick a guy to like? Why can't I just well, and, like say that this is unfortunate? You know what I mean? Well, like, and the thing is too that I I think that like gets lost in all this on like the Ukrainian thing specifically is like your choice doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like it's like you have minimum. I mean, like you personally have zero stake, but like you know. You, the listener, as well, probably also has zero stake. Unless, you know, Joe Biden, you've uh, come to join us. Uh, welcome, Dark Brandon. But, uh, you know, outside of that, you know, you don't have any, like, real stake in this. You can agree- you can find what's happening to be horrible. You can find one of the actors to be uh, in the wrong more than the other. But, like, these people where it's like, oh, look, you know, Ukraine did this thing that I don't think is cool. How can you possibly side of Zelensky? It's like, well, it doesn't really matter right it's just it's more like passive basically entertainment for like american onlookers it's about as meaningful as whoever you prefer in game of thrones yeah yeah so i've got i've got like a a an idea here that might tie a lot of this together right which is like i wonder like to what extent some of this kind of thinking or behavior stems from this like abil- inability to admit powerlessness or a lack of agency within this system, right? You've only got two parties you can pick. You know, if, if voting is the right thing to do, you got to pick the lesser of two evils. You got to participate, right? Mm-hmm. You're trapped within this system. You're confined and circumscribed by its rules. Um, and I feel like that's like, like th- that inability to admit that you're in the rump position is, is like something that's so terrifying to people that they just fail to do it. And I'm kind of wondering, like, even if this, like, even if you couldn't enact this hypothetically, I've talked to a friend about this and like, it was just, it was just a fun thing to bullshit about. I'm not, I'm not advocating that like, this is what we all do. Well, let's agitate for it. But conceptually, like what if you could just have a vote of no confidence? on your ballot what if you go to the polls and there's like a button you can click to basically be like fuck all these guys what do you like do you think that would like people would turn out just to say it if you could trigger something from like a majority of people having no confidence like i don't know like, I, mean, what if I you- think that's the key thing right is if, if it's meaningful because i'm like can't you just vote third party in that case like isn't that yeah or just not show there? up yeah, yeah like I, I guess like that's the thing is like if is, is if there was only a way to like channel uh, I, channel you have to channel that discontent into some line of action and i think that's been the problem right because even like non-voting that clearly hasn't like matter i mean the, the way we run elections like you know some you know a little bit behind the hood is kind of assuming like you're not going to turn out non-voters that's why like yeah we have to work on these "quote unquote" moderate persuadables or swing voters, whatever you want to call them. Um, we care about them, and and it leads to issues where it's like, well, like I'm as you know the Democrat or Republican, I'm entitled to your vote on the other on like that side. I mean, the Republican side, I mean, they're 
giving them all kinds of red meat. But on the Democratic side, it's like, well, I'm inherently entitled to your vote as someone who's on the political left. Um, so I have it. I don't really care about talking to you anymore. I have your vote. I can move on to the next door. And I'm going to talk to this, like, old granny who, you know, will vote for a Nazi if uh, I don't agree to lower her taxes or whatever. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, in the hypothetical I was talking about with my friend, it was like, what if you could trigger, like, and it, it was pure hypothetical. There's no way to prove Right, yeah, and I, and I think that's, I mean, that's the like, thing. Is I like, couldn't trigger a constitutional convention. I don't know. I don't even know if that's, like, the fakes in that case. Well, and, I mean, well, and that's that's another interesting question too. Because I mean, as much as like that's probably necessary, um, like, couldn't you? Like, isn't that arguably treason? <laughs> like, I'm sure the FBI would stomp that out pretty quick. Right, right. That's why. Like, that's why I'm saying this. You're basically saying like we're going to overthrow the government with this government. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So this is this is a purely <laughs> hypothetical. Like, history would have had to play out differently to even have something like this. You're yeah. right. I don't I don't know there's like there's it's two pronged like you gotta there has to be like a fundamental change or shock to the system but also like there has to be some kind of like elevation of social I don't even know what the shock to the system would be right like yeah it's almost 2016 and 2020 have happened yeah what yeah. what what shock to the system are you looking for at this point to like no that's fair that's change things fair. like and i and i think it's and it's one of those things too where it's like you know as much as like you know it, it kind of ties to our powerlessness and whatnot but you know we look to uh, you know on the political left people look to you know marx or other theorists and stuff like that as like a remedy but at the same time it's like you do have to admit that he at least as far as like how he thinks that stuff will change has kind of been proven wrong. I, I mean, more than that, because I, here I am, the Marx defender here, right? It's like, you have to have a level of organization. You have to have a level of effort put in to even attempt that kind of change, right? Sure. And, and like, this is something that, like, I've talked about with other people in the, in, in the left space, right? Which is, like, there's a, there's a net refusal among American, quote-unquote, socialists to admit that, like, we're in a rump position. We're in a we're in a world where the Red Scare happened. We're in a world where uh, the Cold War happened. Uh, we're in a world where uh, uh, labor has been basically put into a rump position. And even though like there are new wins in in certain arenas, and there is this like push or this new like conception of like what American socialism could be, it's all in the ether still. You ha- there's there is no capacity for organization at this point, and no one seems to want to admit that, right? Right, and like, and that's like always, and like you know, part of what I'm getting at too is like the defense that we always have for like Marxism when people are like, oh well, like look at Cuba, look at all these other places. Like the defense has been like, well, we've never had like you know, quote unquote, true Marxism, right? You know, we've never we've never tried that, and like again, that sort of speaks to the difficulty and actually achieving that right and and you know the lack of organization uh because it's like yeah the way it's been organized before you know we've seen what vanguard socialism has you know wrought upon different places uh we've seen what you know you know even like more you know humanistic approaches like you know the uh 
uh, Paris Commune, right? Like we saw how like that kind of you know loses to the forces of capital and stuff like that. Well, and, well, right. I mean, this is this is broadly. I mean, you know, I will defend certain things, but that's that's a principal disagreement we can always come back to, right? Which is like one, there is capitalist encirclement more broadly, and Mark Fisher, yeah. you know, really t- touches on that book uh, in his book um, Capitalist Realism, where like. This is a totalizing system, and it's the system that has one. It's resistant to change, and it's the one we're trapped in currently, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and like, I think you know, even though like, and it's more entrenched now than it was then. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's that's bot- That is the bottom line at the end of the day. Is like, and you know, as timeless as a lot of his like, you know, just real quick, like as timeless as a lot of his critiques of capitalism are, it's like <laughs> he's writing about a very different capitalist structure that I think was you know, infinitely weaker than it is today. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, it it is the kind of thing where it's like, even if I, I don't know, I will always defend, um, that history. I think it is something that people in those places should be proud of. I think the world communist, you know, struggle was something positive, even if there were missteps along the way. Right. But, but you're right. It, it lost to the forces of capital it did not win in certain places and in the places where it still exists it is under the it is under the effect of capitalist encirclement mark fisher and his mark fisher's theory of capitalist realism holds true unfortunately and the the more that people like i don't like depressing people you know i don't i don't like like you know being like the the guy who's like, you know, you lost a long time ago. That's not really what I'm trying to say. Sure. But you have to admit that, like, you're not winning here. <laughs> you know, you haven't won yet. You're not even close to it yet. You are, you are in the system where you are fighting with several, if not both hands behind your back, your legs too. Yeah. And, and, and the quicker people admit that, you know, the more relief I feel like people would have. Because there's this, like... I feel like the malaise is really coming from like this idea of like just one more thing to wait through and it'll all be better soon. And I don't think it's ever worked like that. No, and I and I think, you know, on some level it's sort of a way to sort of like it, it's kind of that idea of, you know, not exactly manifest destiny as we like think of it, but it's like, you know this idea of like destiny that like it's just sort of one more thing and then, you know, it'll it'll all change and stuff like that. Um and it's just it's 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 not how things work, unfortunately. Yeah. But again, like that's I don't know that that is like the thing about I don't I don't know if maturity is the right word of it word for it. I don't know if clarity is the right word for it. But like at a point, people have to be able to look at like the current state of things, and I don't think giving in to despair is always the thing to do i know i'm prone to it i know i do it a lot it's probably never the thing to do you're right and it's and it's also like you can never you can never like take it on yourself as an individual that like everything that's wrong with the world you can't take it on yourself as an individual but you have to you know have that measure of like you are you are you are existing within a fundamentally fucked up system and the more you deny it, the more the more just like psychic damage you do to yourself. I don't know how else to say it. 
I think that's I think that's probably the best way to like say it, right? I think that it's you know it's not a whole lot. You have to like you know sort of concede that, and I, I'm not saying that like you know hope for change is like naive or worthless. Yeah, not not at all. That's we've never said that, but yeah. But yeah, it's like you know you you have to sort of concede that. Um, you know, there's there's things that need to be uh, done that aren't necessarily being addressed, and again, like organizations tied to it, it's not. I I, I think you know the accelerationist uh, theory. I I, I think uh, those people are probably wrong. Yeah, um, I don't, yeah, I don't no, honestly I agree, know. I agree with you there because it's just like any 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 answer, which is I can just sit on my ass and watch it burn, never looked realistic to me. Yeah, I mean, it's like you have, I mean, again, it's like one of those things where it's like you just like kind of look at like the historical evidence. And it's like, yeah, do you know where like things have been and like and not to, you know, like pull like, you know, the Candace Owens is want to do these days. But it's like, yeah, do you know wh- who else rose to power through, you know, things hitting rock bottom? Hitler. Like, it's like, you know, it's like that's not like, you know. Our worldview is not necessarily the one that uh, triumphs once rock bottoms hit. Well, and and that's the other thing too, right? It's like it's not just that things hit rock bottom and Hitler comes in. It's like there were several uh, missteps and bad moves that the SPD made. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, I mean, I'll I'll say it. I'm I'm full throated in this. That like I I believe in in in, in you know in Marxism. I think that the world struggles for socialism and communism are a net good right mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there were missteps like you you got to be honest about certain missteps that happen you got to be honest that like some people really fumbled the bag in certain places some people really did lose some people like really got betrayed well, and, and i think that that's an important thing to like emphasize too because like you know i i think that there's tend to be like almost like an apologism right where it's like you know, well, it's we only you know lost because like you know the other side cheated or you know they were just you know too strong or whatever. But like you have to acknowledge that like on some level there is some individual level of, or you know even group level of you know like on your side that there were missteps that were taken, and you should learn from them. You can't ignore them. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing is like, you know, the question of like what to do about capitalist encirclement. Yeah, it does like seem like a way to let people off the hook, but it's also like it's the same problem that you as a modern day person who might feel like you're picking up the torch, right? You're also affected by it. You have to figure out a way to think around it. You've got to figure out like, you know, how do you prevent yourself from being subject to the same forces? How do you uh, find a way around it? Can you make, can you not make the same mistakes, you know? There's nothing wrong in admitting that, like, you know, the past did not go the way we wish it did. That's why, that's why, like. It's it's why the present is what it is. (laughs) Exactly. Like, Like, there's nothing, if you're a materialist. Yeah, it's like, very clearly the past did not necessarily go as planned. Otherwise, we would still be in that world. Exactly, exactly. I I don't know. If 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 I can just be like, you know, very honest to the listener here, you know, like 
I do worry sometimes that like I've hit the bottom of the well of everything I have to say sometimes. Um and I at some level like I do worry about like you know like what is everything I'm saying useful here or is like is it at least like uh entertaining or you know does it offer someone some clarity or some insight right? Um But I think it's probably the most honest thing I can probably do up front is just be like, look, this is the state we're in. We're all waiting for something here. We're all trying to think of something to do here. And being honest about that is what gets you out of a lot of trouble. It saves you a lot of fucking grief. Yeah. Anyways, that's enough self-hagiography. I... (laughs) I can only say it's, you know, it's good to be back. If I'm saying the whole, the same shit every episode, I'm here to do it. It's greenhouse mindset. We will cultivate it. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think, I think we've thoroughly like, you know, we have thoroughly exhausted the outline here. The idea of like talking about some of these grifters. Let's, let's maybe develop that into a, to a future episode. Sure. Uh, any any other uh, closing thoughts or anything else that we should yeah, try to read? Um, Oz apparently kills puppies. See, Pennsylvania, <laughs> it's incumbent on you. Not let this man into. Well, so I, I had I I had to break that. So. I, in my class, like, I always, like, for the joke, like, negative campaign ad, my my go-to was, like, my opponent kicks puppies. Then that report came out that his, like, that, like, he or his lab experimented and killed puppies. I'm like, well, I can't not mention this in class. You know who else did? <laughs> the- <laughs> Shri Tandadar. That's true, yeah. I forgot about it. <laughs> Did you just both sides this issue? No, I'm I'm saying that you know we have to we have to flip this on its scale. You know what? It's us versus the dog kickers. Yeah, that's true. In more ways than one. Like I'm I'm kind of joking here, but like I mean, Loki, like yeah, like what is my politics here? What 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 have we been saying here other than like can we just have a world that like doesn't have cruelty as its guiding principle? Maybe that's enough. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's enough. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Greenhouse Gaslighting. Thanks again for tuning in, dear listener. Uh, Your feedback and support is always important to us. Uh, You can check out our various social media links if you'd like to follow us across the internet in the description below or send us an email on episode suggestions uh constructive criticism or if you'd just like to say hi uh you can follow josh on twitter i'm gonna pull it up this time i'm gonna do it 
at Joshua Cost seventeen. Up, oh, you be into it. <laughs> uh, um, uh, pro wrestling podcast called Monster Pop. I will post the. Oh. Yeah, I'll post the links uh, to their show in the description as well. Uh, and until then, take care, dear listeners.